everybody. Welcome back to the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. I am the sexiest man known to, actually, not known by anybody, probably. But uh, Dan, my name's Dan. You're the sexiest man known at our job place. No, I'm not. Uh, oh, come on. You're definitely better looking than half the people there. Well, you're, you're too sweet. But, uh, you, well, you're a nice slice of rump roast yourself. I'm here yeah. with my brother, Doug. Thank you very much. We're, we kill these intros. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about half the fucking time, but we kill these intros. No, no. Uh, Eric's here. How you doing, Eric? Hello. So of the three-man Nitro <laughs> I think podcast should be going team that we're going to be talking about here on this episode, which one of us is Bischoff, which one's Mongo, and which one's Bobby Heenan? I think I'm, I'm Bobby yeah, you're Mongo. Wait, Eric's Bischoff? I mean, he's got the same name. Yeah, it's my name. Yeah, but Eric Bischoff could also pull a, set, uh, could pull a sentence together without taking 10 minutes. Hey. Look who's hey. calling you black. I can pull the sentence together. It's just I happen to do like 70 sentences at once. <laughs> we are here. <laughs> Talk September 25th, 1995. Uh... It's another War Drums. We're back for another War Drums. We have Raw versus Nitro. September 25th, 95. And this one was picked basically because, like, we wanted to do something early. Yeah. Uh, because, like, they were both only, like, an hour at, the t- at that time. And, like, because I thought about doing the September 28th, 98, epi- 98 episodes of Raw Nitro. The thing is, is that Nitro's three hours and Raw is two, and I did not think we wanted to fucking sit through that. That's funny. Am I wrong? No, you're not, Bubby. So, well, that's nice to hear from him. Uh, but when was our last war from? Oh, I don't know. God, never had to been August. Yeah. Of. Um, or no, no, not not uh, no, not August. We did uh, no. The last war drums we did was back in January. Yeah, I think. Wow. Yeah, it's I'm trying to find it. Well, because in January that's when they switched to three hour show or three hour nitros, and you know nobody really owns a gun here, so we can't can't shoot ourselves in the head. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's been a while, but I figured, you know, we'll start at the, we'll start at the beginning and then, yeah, well, I mean, it's not like the very beginning, but it's beginning. Yeah. So this is So, uh, I wonder if Ben fell asleep. He might have. Yeah, probably did. But uh, we're here, so let's get into it. Okay. Uh, this is an interesting time in both promotions because neither one of them is like really killing it. Like you, like you, you always think that someone's on top. Right yeah. now, no one's really on top. Yeah, yeah they're both like, it, it's almost like the mountaintop is like way, 
you know, you're trying to climb like a 25 foot mountain or something like that. Yes. Because I was going to say like the mountains up here, but I forgot that this is on an audio podcast. Yeah. Uh, but like you're trying to climb like a 25 foot mountain, and you got WCW kind of at like 10 foot, at like the 10 to 12 foot mark, and you've got WWF at like a nine, at like the nine 10 foot mark. So like they're both kind of there. But, like, WCW is kind of, like, more, like, financially, like, set right now because they were given the, the time slot to do this. Yeah. And, like, they have, like, sponsorship deals and all that. I mean, WWF, you know, we saw the advertisement on uh, the episode of Raw where they were talking about WrestleMania, the special, which was basically just, like, a re-airing of two of the big matches from WrestleMania 11 and how they were going to do it on Fox. But originally, it was scheduled for NBC, and it was supposed to be done in, like, June or July or something like that. But NBC's just like, all right, no, fuck you guys. We remember, you know, you guys telling us to go to hell, uh, and you took Saturday night's main event from us and put it on Fox. So, fuck you. We're not going to air your special. And plus, NBC was still... uh, and NBC was starting to kind of get in with uh, with Bischoff and WCW at the time. Because they were having a... I think they were starting... Or they were kind of having a connection with Jay Leno. Or Hogan was, anyway. Yeah. It was an interesting time. And it's interesting because both shows are an hour. Yeah. Uh, both shows are, like, trying to find their foot. Which is weird because, you know, Raw's been around for a while and already had a little bit of success in areas, but not really killed it yet. But uh, Nitro is just, like, this is like their sixth episode. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, both are just trying to find footing. And I thought right off the bat, I thought both had a valiant effort. I didn't hate either episodes. But uh, let's get into it. Oh, yeah. They kind of flew by. And the funny thing is, is that back then, when the stuff was only an hour and, like, it flew by, it it didn't necessarily... Like, wrestling nowadays feels like a chore. Like, if you're watching, like, current products. Yes. Yes. So, like, it it feels like a chore. Back then, you had one-hour show. The only two-hour show back in this time period that there was was WCW Saturday Night. Yeah, And even like four or five months out of the year there was only an hour because they aired on the same station as Braden Baseball. And so like, you know, from probably like April-ish to probably around September, it, they either usually came on at 6.05 and went to 7.05 or they did 7.05 to 8.05 or whatever. But like the majority of the time, like that was the only two-hour program that you had. WWF only ran their stuff for an hour. Now there was there was still a lot of wrestling that was done. Yeah. Okay. So, but everything was just an hour, and then like you had your syndicated highlight shows and stuff like that. And that's actually what I kind of miss. Like I would not mind if all wrestling shows were, were an hour. I would not mind like ten or twelve wrestling shows a week. No, because it's an easily digestible like. Two hours feels like something you have to prep for, right? Yeah. Like watching a movie. Like, like it's like when you come home from work. Do I want to get into something and watch a movie, or do I want to see, like, a little half-hour show or 45-minute show or something like that? Yeah. Uh, 
it makes it much more digestible when it's like this. But also, this wasn't killing the ratings. Two hours was killing the ratings for both companies. You know, one went to three and killed themselves, and then one went to three later on and killed themselves. But, yeah. but, but yeah, like three hours of free television does not need to exist. No. Why, like, why are you just and, giving and that le- unless, anyway? it's, unless it's a sporting event, yeah. like like a football game, or mainly a football game because like a, a basketball, well, basketball and hockey, I think, are only two and a half hours. But you got to pay for, like, well, I mean, you know. You got to pay for cable for that shit too, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> that's not a point at all. But I, it just doesn't make sense to me why you're doing three hours every fucking week, and you got to pay all these guys. Yeah. There's more people that have to wrestle. It's just it just seems like a lot, yeah. and I think it's something that the fans don't enjoy. So it's like, why are you putting out all this content that people don't want? They'd right. rather see two hours of this. Well, and by the way, like back then, exactly. you know, when they only did like the one hour shows. And and I've talked about this before. Like, you can have a Nitro where it's Hogan and Luger in the main event. Then you go and you have, like, an episode of, like, uh, Worldwide. Uh, and you have Sting and Arn Anderson made. Yeah. Now, again, like, a lot of those, like, a lot of the Worldwides and pros, they were taped, like, you know, they were maritime tapes. So yeah, they tape, like, three months in advance or whatever, right? Yeah. But you can have a Sting and Arn Anderson main on a on a worldwide. Then on a pro, you can get away with the nasty boy, the nasty boys, and the blue bloods in the main event. Yeah. Uh then on Saturday night, you do Savage and Flair. Yeah. So like you don't have to over the same talent does not have to work all four shows. No. And then on your main event, on your recap, when you have your main event exclusives. That's when you do Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus the Zodiac. I'm not saying they did all that in one week. I'm just surmised. I'm just basically, those are examples, right? So, like, yeah. you, you don't have to overexpose the talent, you know, like they do every week. Because every week, the same talent is on the three-hour episode of Raw or two-hour episode of SmackDown or whatever. Yes. Back in these days, and, and here's a fine, here's actually a really good example of this. Pitbull Pittman, who we're going to talk about on this episode of Nitro in a little while, in a little bit. Yeah. This was his first episode of Nitro that he's done. Again, we're like four episodes in. His next episode of Nitro that he did was yeah, like the night after Halloween Havoc. The next episode of Nitro he did after that, he did not do another one until they went to two hours in May. So it's sporadic. So it was sporadic because they used it really for the for the bigger stars. Now you had like some of your guys that you were like moderately put. Johnny B. Bad was around for like the first six months of Nitro. Yeah. You know how many episodes of Nitro he actually did? How many? Five. Damn. All right, and technically he was not on Nitro. The November twenty seventh, nineteen ninety five edition of Nitro was the last time he ever did Nitro. He mainly did Saturday Night Worldwide and Pro. He was still on the pay per views because wow. he was a television champion. Yeah. So he did a lot of his build up through there. But 
he was not like his last four months with the company. He he was not on a live edition of Nitro. Right. So that just shows that like you don't overexpose the talent. Now again, they overexpose like a lot of the heavy hitters, like Savage and uh, Sting was on every fucking show. Yeah. But he again, he was also their franchise. Sting's a draw. Yeah. Sting and Flair. Sting, Flair, and Arn Anderson, I think, worked every program that the company has. You want to get into the first match on Raw? Yeah, I think we've already done like 20 minutes, right? Yes. Grand Grand Center in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's Raw, right? That's Raw. Okay. And we have Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, And this is basically the first live Raw of the Monday Night War, right? Oh, yeah, because this was right after a pay-per-view, so they had to be live. So, that's something. Yeah. Uh, we start out with a video package. It was right after the pay-per-view, right? In your house? Yeah. Or was yes. it? it yeah. Right after In Your House Triple Header. Yes. And we start with a video package of Sean and, Win- and uh, Diesel winning the tag titles. And... Uh, but we also see that Jim Cornette found a loophole and brought his lawyer to meet with Gorilla. And that's a big narrative or theme of the episode. And Owen Hart oh, yeah. and Yokozuna are once again the tag team champions. Right. But they have to defend the belts tonight. Which was supposed to be just a non-title match against the smoking guns. But it ends up being a title match. Right. And that's what kind of sets the scene for the night because... That ends up being a big deal later on. Probably should have been the main event, to be honest. Yeah, and that's one of the things, one of the reasons why I picked these particular episodes for this War Drums, because to me, this was the first uh, episode, these were the the first episodes of Raw and Nitro that really, like, both, both shows had like really like high profile matches. Yeah. That actually did not main event the show. Like you had Savage and the Taskmaster, third match in. Yeah. And you had the WWF tag team titles on the line in match number two. There was big money main events on both though. Yeah. Uh and we'll get into yeah. it. And uh Let's start with our first match. Because okay. we already covered Clarence Mason and Jim yeah. Cornette and all that shit. We got Skip, and he's with his beautiful wife at the time or fiance? Uh, not just a girlfriend because she was only, I'm pretty sure she was still only 19. Jesus. Really? She got into oh, the business. I she got into the business like really young. Like Sonny she... was nineteen years old here. She was fucking bad, dude. Maybe because I think in ninety four when when she officially got into the business in ninety four or in ninety four, I believe she was only eighteen. I mean, if somebody wants to go ahead and correct me on that, please feel free. I mean, it would not be. Uh, thank you, Sharon. Uh, Who is this, Sonny? Uh, yes, yeah, Sonny. I'm doing the same thing. Actually, her real name. Tammy. What? Sitch. S Y T C H. Gotcha. Thank you. 
we have a real team player here, folks. I said, somebody please correct me, if you will, and she picked up the phone right away. Oh, she, yeah, I did too. She's 50 now. She started in 1992. She would have been 20 because she was born in 72. Years active. Yep. All right, so she, so she, all right, so she was, all right, so she was 23 at the time, all right, never, all right, well, I'm actually glad I was wrong, because that's too young for somebody to be, or not, I mean, not too young, I mean, it's not like she would have, yeah, she really has age, you see her moksha on, with, with oh, the oh, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, she's she's definitely aged like milk. That's an, that's enough for most guys to go celibate. Yeah, uh, but she yeah. she was hot back then, though, man. And you know, oh, Skip yeah. was and Skip was a good talent. Uh, we've heard nothing but good things. You remember when we had Barry on? He had nothing but good things to say. Uh, going against a Marty Janetti, who's was aged at the time. Oh my know? God! Did you, did, could you not believe how old he looked? Super old, especially for just ninety five. Yeah, I yeah. was just. And they hyped up his return. I mean, Vince did at least. Well, Vince hyped it up. I don't think anybody else really cared. He's just like, yeah, no, Marty, return. It's like, yeah, his eightieth return. Yeah, he never. Proud really. to give a crap. Like. Being Janetti'd in his tag team is a term for a reason. Yeah. You have your Sean, you yeah. have your Janetti. You have your guy that goes on to be a superstar, and you have your guy that goes on to be a schlub. It really doesn't do much. Yep. And it happens a lot, and very, and a lot of times both guys go on to have success, but, you know, you got a lot of instances like that. Like, no offense to the Hardys, but a lot of people thought that Jeff was the Sean and Matt might have been the Marty. I yeah. think Matt has proved that to be untrue. Yep. Well, because Matt when he went more, Matt's more a business savvy. I'll name five tag teams right now, and you guys tell me who's the Sean and who's the Janetti. Let's Go talk ahead. a little shit. All right. Hawk and Animal. Oh, shit. Well, neither one of them was really Animal a single was, uh, guy. But, I mean, Animal was kind of forced to be a single guy after Hawk, unfortunately, left the earth. All right, let's skip that one. Bubba and Devon. Bubba definitely was. Uh, I mean, well, Bubba would be Sean if he, if Sean, you know, got addicted to McDonald's and Burger King. But yeah, but Bubba was a better single. Bubba's a better single star. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, he's, he's, he's running. couldn't really get over. Devon was still like playing like the Dudley character or the Team 3D character. And Bully went on to be Bully Ray, and then he did a lot of good shit. Yeah. JBL and Ron Simmons. JBL definitely the Sean. Yeah. For the future, Jimmy and Jay Uso. Jay's definitely going to be the Sean. Okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, Marty Janetti, and he rubbed my back one time. We've talked about it. Great guy. Yeah. Uh, that's right. You had a back massage. I got shown a jar of weed by Sabu, and I got my back rubbed by Janetti in the same day. Yeah, and I stayed in the line for an hour to meet Holland Nash. <sighs> I think you came out the big winner in that one, pal. 
Yeah, I didn't pay for shit. It was great. <laughs> Wait, you didn't even have to pay to meet Sabu? Oh, I got a picture with him. No, I did pay. I, I think I paid like 20 bucks because I, st- I have that picture somewhere of me pointing at the sky with him. Yeah. I don't know where it is, but yeah. And, and I think that girl was in it that's gone now, too. Yeah, uh, the genie, uh, Melissa. Yeah, I think she was in the picture. Yeah, well, yeah, because she had been his longtime, longtime girlfriend. Uh, but yeah, that that was a weird day because uh, it, it also just goes to show that sometimes conventions are not very well run. I just remember, man, that looks like some good shit, Sabu. It is, kid. Yeah. He's <laughs> uh, the man. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was one of the... And the funny thing about Marty Jannetty, and I, I would recommend checking out his Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. Uh and it's but like people talk about like him doing like some fucked up stuff. Uh, and we're not going to get into that because I really don't want to. I really don't want to roast him too bad on like some of his personal decisions. Imagine, yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard you say that sentence before. I know. So this is a first. Of, well, although I'm pretty sure I've gotten a lot of letters threatening a lot of lawsuits. Uh, but like Janetti here, just like you could kind of tell that, uh, he just like, they brought him back. Cause I, I do think that they were trying to like build up their talent roster a little bit. And also too, I think that Vince was bringing back a lot of other guys. Uh, yeah, but how did they build it up when it's like you got a pretty good mid-carder like heel and you just have him lose to a returning Janetti? Clean. Yeah, well, I, I think it's just also because I feel like at the time they were trying to get like more mid-card baby faces. Yeah, and this is before the mid-card got really good. Yeah. And then this is when it was still like, yeah. And you needed Marty Janetti return to yeah no 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 disrespect to guys like uh, to Bob Holly or uh, Savio Vega or Fatu no. or Henry Godwin who I happen to like every one of those guys well and by the way they were all amazing mid card like hands they were all good hands in the Attitude Era they yeah. just weren't there yet none of them but uh, but all of them like except for maybe sorry for Chris Godwin but. The rest of them, Hardcore Holly, awesome fucking Attitude Era draw. There's at least one or two kids that think Hardcore Holly was their favorite wrestler back then. At least a couple. Well, hell, I'll even say how much I liked him. Yeah, a lot of people liked him. He was like, he was a good hand. And and Fat too, that's Rikishi, isn't it? Yeah. Obvious, one of the best hands in the Attitude Era. And I'll say this right now, like, you know, Henry Godwin, Henry and Phineas is one of my favorite tag teams in that new generation era. Yeah, but Phineas got more play and attitude. Right. And, you know, Henry, and, and I feel kind of bad, but I, you know, one of my fondest memories of the Godwins is when uh, at Christmas in 97, I got the, the Godwins uh, tag team action figures. Yeah. And I got those in the headbangers, and I'm sitting in my room like Christmas Eve night in the Christmas morning, and I, or, you know, Christmas Eve night, and I've got like the figures like on my stomach because I didn't have the ring yet. Yeah, that wouldn't actually come until the next day, Christmas. <laughs> uh, 
and like I'm playing with them because I'm just so so happy or whatever. And it's just like I don't care what else I get. <laughs> but like you know, that was like the ninth Christmas in a row that all I asked for were wrestling figures. That's funny. But a little obsessed back then. Just a tad. Yeah. Uh, you gave up that wrestling figure thing. You don't care about them anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go over to Nitro. For anybody that just couldn't tell, there was some sarcasm in that. Nitro actually takes place in Florence. Florence? Where? Florence. South Carolina. Oh. <laughs> That's why I said where? Italy? They they were they were not making enough money to go to Italy yet, Jared. Uh, there was five thousand people there, and apparently only two thousand people paid for their tickets. Oh yeah, they did that a lot. Yeah. Uh, our hosts are like you said earlier: Bischoff, Bobby Heenan, and McMichael. Yeah. Mongo. Uh, we're gonna start off with a match, and we have Alex Wright versus Disco Inferno. Disco's Nitro or Disco? I think this is actually Disco's TV debut. I think. Either that or he already debuted on Saturday night. And this is already the second time that Alex Wright has been on Nitro. Shout out to Blog of Doom, who I'm just using for reference for some of the for the match the match order. But they actually have the records of the guys. What? Like Alex Wright was forty six seven and two at the time of this and Inferno was three and oh. Holy So shout out to that fucking guy. Whoever yeah. does that. Uh, by the way, like to do something like that, you have to have like you have to really be committed. Yes. I mean, and then by the time you get done doing something like that, you might actually be committed. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, but thank God for the guys that do that. Yeah. You know, I don't like to use reference for anything for opinions or, or nothing or like that shit. But for for the match order, it's nice. You know, you forget. Yeah. We watch the shit throughout the week, and we appreciate the people that that have like that, and especially like hey some comic shit. The people that got everything that's ever written. Like people, some people might think you have too much time on your hands, but when you need like reference for shit or doing your research and stuff, it's really helpful. So yeah, and it's I always thought records in wrestling is interesting because. It's like a predetermined outcome. There, there was so fun. there was uh, a website I forgot what it was called, but it existed back in the day. But they only had the records for like WCW, like WCW and WWF ninety one, ninety two, and then ninety six, ninety seven, and ninety eight. Okay. And I remember just seeing like, uh, and they did like tag team and singles records, so you got to see like, I think they even did like ninety five. Yeah. And, like, you got to see, like, when Bubba and Wal- Big Bubba Rogers and Mr. Wall Street teamed up in, like, 95, 96. And you got to see, like, their, like, two and 30 records. Yeah. And, you know, and now little Tony has tried to replicate that with AEW. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, already, I already put him in. Oh, you patched him? I claim him. Yeah. That was on me, too. How we doing, buddy? We're good. Good. But, yeah. So, I thought that was sick. But, 
Alex Wright and Disco Inferno. Alex Wright gets him with a backslide. I thought this was actually a pretty interesting opener. It is, and if you really think about like how much their careers have kind of mirrored each other, like for the next, and this is '95, right? Yeah, and they ended up in a group together. They ended up a group, a tag team. Basically, these two guys were almost attached to fucking hip for six years. Yeah. Because you figure they had this match here at Slamboree 96 and at least a lottery they came together. 97, they had a little uh, short feud for uh, the television title. 98, you know, that whole summer, they into the early fall, they teamed together. They were, Mike Tanay called them the Dancing Fools. Yeah. And Tony Schiavone used to make fun of them. It's like, that's the dumbest fucking tag team. Like, that's the dumbest tag team name. And Bobby Heenan even said, he's like, you know, it's fixed. Uh, then, like, you know, 99, 99, they really didn't have much to do with each other, but that's also because Alex was stuck in a, in that Berlin gimmick. But then 2000, they teamed up again as the Boogie Knights. So, <laughs> uh, but like they had, they were all, like I said, they were just about attached to the hip. Yeah. Eric, what did you think of this one? I thought it was a, I thought it was a better opener than Raw. I, I, I enjoyed it. And I'm, it was fun to see Alex Wright get the, uh, to win, um, win at the end. And he was a baby face in this one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the thing about Alex it was Wright, young Alex, right? The thing about Alex Wright is the fact that he probably would have been, because, you know, he, they tried to market him like he got a figure, he got, you know, had merch and all that. The only issue they had with him was the fact that his English was like, it was kind of broke. Like, he could speak English. Yeah. But. Well, was he German? Yeah. Yeah. So, but because the fans really didn't understand him, it it was one of those things to where it's just like, okay, we want to push him. We think he's going to be a star because he was young. Here he was only 19 years old. Yeah. But all he ever did was shook his dick. Well, I mean, well, and he was all, he was a young, he was so a All he did was dance and shake his fucking, and not even his ass, he shook his penis. He, he was, I like what. more shaking his arms in the back of his head. Again, I would try to do the dance for one, I'll pull something, and two, it's a fucking audio show. Here an audio show. Uh, when they shaved him, when they shaved his head and called him Berlin, I thought they had money. I don't know why nothing ever came to that. Uh, because when they started, when they started the gimmick, remember that gimmick started two weeks before Bischoff got fired. Yeah. And then, like a lot of the stuff Bischoff was working towards, the people that took over after that, and I'm talking about Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara, thought that all that shit was shit. Yeah. So they're like, they tried to kill everything Bischoff did. Like, literally, they actually tried to kill Flair by having him buried in the fucking woods somewhere. 
So, like, they just halted. And, again, it's not necessarily momentum because WCW was struggling at the time. Yeah. But they got rid of everything. Yeah. But Berlin could have been interesting. I mean, I thought he was for a while. But then, like, when you had also had people that really did not want to work with him. Why? Did you ever hear the story about Buff Bagwell at Fall Brawl 99? No. So they advertised the match, right? Yeah. Buff, uh, Buff gets to the building early in the day, and they tell him that uh, they say, hey, you know, you're putting over Berlin tonight. No, I'm not. And they're like, no, like, we need to get him over. He goes, get him over on somebody else. And Buff left the building. Now, he came back in time to do the match again because they decided to kind of turn it into an angle, but he did not want to do the match. So he's just like, or or he even, I guess he was even just like, just telling him, I'm not here. So they sent Hacksaw out to do the match. Well, Hacksaw really didn't want to do the match either, so he no-sold the entire fucking match. What a bunch of pieces. Yeah, and the, the shitty... What did Alex Wright do? Well, and that's the shitty thing, because Alex couldn't figure it out because he considered both Hacksaw and Buff as his friends. Yeah. Like, he considered them both friends, so even, like, they interviewed him about it, like, a couple of years ago, and he even said, he goes, I don't really know what happened, because they were both friends of mine. Yeah, that's weird. And the yeah. fact that, like, neither one of them wanted to do it... Like, they they killed the character. Yeah, what the fuck? So, but yeah, that was like, I mean, but that wasn't until like 99. But yeah, this is a good opener. Mm-hmm. What opener was better, Clint? It's Raw or Nitro? I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, I was a huge fan of Disco Inferno. Not because of the rest of skills, but only because of the scene music. The yeah. music always got me hyped. <laughs> Disco Fever! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep. Happy dancing. Hair, too. Yeah. He's a dick, though. He's, uh, a, he's a jerk. Although I do have a uh, one of my WCW cards. He actually autographed for me. That's fire. But then he made fun of me on Twitter. Like, two weeks <laughs> So... Going back over to Raw, we get another video package about the triple header from last night and how British Bulldog took Owen's spot and Owen ran out at the end and got pinned. Uh, And then we see Mason in the boardroom with uh, Gorilla and uh, bitching about how Owen's the one who lost, not Bulldog. So it, it, it needs to be overturned. And uh, Gorilla's like, that's fine, but the smoking guns will get the title shot, fuckhead. Yeah. And that's what happens. And then we see Doc, Doc Hendricks, old Michael P.S. Hayes. Yep. He's wearing an In Your House 3 t-shirt that uh, was apparently only available the night before. So if you got one of those, sell it. Uh, We go on to our second match, which is a doozy and to me is maybe match of the night on both shows. We have the WWF Tag Team title match with Owen Hart and Yoko going against uh, the Smoking Guns. And, of course, Owen Hart 
and Yoko have Cornette and Fuji in prospective corners, respectively. Right. This was a damn good match, but Clintus, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, man. Well, to tell you the truth, I wasn't a big fan of them, like, stripping my guys, Diesel, and Shawn Michaels of the tag team titles. Like, I was always a big fan of the two, and no man as a tag team, and knowing their best friends and winning the tag team titles. That, um, like, before was plus for me. But for the smoking guns to go out there and actually get the um, title match and take advantage of it, I'm bored, I guess. I mean, you, you knew that he was going to lose the titles one way or another. If it wasn't for the triple main event, then it had to be, a, I guess, a TV show and the smoking guns. I mean, do you think it kind of maybe shows that... I mean, well, first of all, the tag team division really didn't exist that much back then anyway. But do you think that maybe, yeah, like, true. just like Vince is just like, okay, we'll do a big stage like this. Billy and Bart have been with us for a couple of years. They've held the tag team titles, you know, once already. You know, let's give them, let's give them another go around because they actually are a really good tag team. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were. Yeah. And it's funny, like, the, the spot in the match where, like, they hit Owen with the sidewinder, and then Yoko goes for the splash, and he ends up splashing Owen. Owen had to just be there on the ground, like, ah! Because <laughs> Yoko, yeah, Yoko was pushing 600, 650 at the time. Yeah. Jeez. He was getting big. Yeah, 400, still 400 of that was butt cheek. But he was still pressing in the ring, no matter how much he weighed. Well, and that's the, that's the thing, too, Clintus, is that, like, yeah, he could still move in that ring. But also, it was getting to the point to where they were having a hard time because he was so big. No one could pick him up. Yeah, I, well, Ahmed Johnson was able to pick him up, but... That yeah, that, like at the Survivor Series '95, but like the the thing is, is that he was getting so big that back in those days, you still had to get like states still had to give you a license, yeah, to compete, yeah. Uh, like so, if you went to like Grand Rapids, Michigan, you had to get a wrestling license from the state of from the state of Michigan. A lot of states wouldn't license him. Like, New York would license him. How did he travel? Huh? How did he travel? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it was uh, by bus. Okay. Even that? Even that? Could he even fit in the bus? (laughs) They might have cut the roof off and just put it in, just looking at him via skyscraper through the, through the roof. I don't know. Yeah. This was a damn good match. Yeah. The smoking brothers' guns were white hot at the time. Yeah, and, and, and that's the funny thing about it, too. The only thing I didn't like was at the end when two guys, and I know Clinton just said he's a fan, of, and I'm not going to knock him, but 
They did not need to be out there to just slap their hands. I can understand them coming out and making the save for Undertaker at the end. I'll say it right now. Those two guys ruined this episode of Raw a little bit. He's on Sean? Yeah. Talk about Sean Michaels and uh, Eagle. Yes. I, I think... Yeah. No, I agree no that they shouldn't have been out, be out there. there. They should have just let them have their yeah. spotlight. Let the guns get the spotlight. Come out during one match. Yeah. Come out during one match. Come out during, Come out to make the save when the Undertaker was getting beat up. I understand that. Yeah. But, and I get it, they're kind of in the thread. Like, they're more in the story of this match, though. So it's like, if you want to come out, like, after they win the titles and maybe pass the torch to them a little bit, go ahead. But just to, like, parade around. Like, Sean, all Shawn Michaels did this episode of Raw was just parade around and dance and shit. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. Like, you thought he was a celebrity and shit, and you were trying to really put him out there. But it's like, you're not drawing nothing. This isn't working. So it's just the fact that him and Diesel had to just be out there walking and in the ring, like looking at each other, like, are you going to like dance or am I going to dance? Like the whole time. It's just like, this is fucking stupid. And like Diesel's like, I don't know if I Yeah, and I this. agree. Like, it's just so dumb, man. And I'm a big Shawn Michaels fan, too. I like them both. I like Nash, too. I li- and I, yeah. Shawn Michaels is awesome. But fucking, that, that shit's just like, it didn't make sense to me. And it kind of boggled down some yeah. good shit. Uh, Bottle down some good shit, pal. Uh, but yeah, I thought. Yeah, I didn't understand why they had to come out. Yeah, me neither. This was a g- damn good match too, though. Hmm. I agree. Yeah. All right. And it's only tag team match, and that's two. We seen the two shows, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to go back over to Nitro. We got a taped promo from Hogan with Jimmy Hart where he's using the title as a workout tool for his neck. Uh, He talks a little shit about the Giant. It's nothing impressive. We get a Randy Savage interview with Gene Okerlund and he calls out Lex. Luger runs out and... uh, him and Savage are going to go at it next week. And uh, Lex will give up his title shot against Hope. And his career. And his career. If, if, if Savage wins, yeah. So that'll be good. And so Lex ended up, up winning. Yeah. Huh? Who wins? I said Lex, Lex won, right? The following week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not doing that episode. Yeah. Stick to the episode at hand. Calm down. I was just, okay. Sorry. You didn't do anything wrong. I'm telling Doug to calm down. Hogan and Giant are going to go at it Halloween Havoc for the pay-per-view. They yeah. that as well. Uh, and now we have Kurosawa and Sergeant Craig Pittman, your boy. Main event anywhere in the country. Kurosawa is 4-0, and and he goes to 5-0 and with this. Victory. Yeah. And Sergeant Craig Pittman was 36-4. and four. That's a pretty good record for Pitts. Yeah, well, remember, too, Kurosawa had just kind of started with the company in, like, August. Yeah. Uh, and 
By the way, these are single match records because in a tag match, Kurosawa actually did get pinned. Oh shit. Uh but like so like Pittman was kinda like at the time he he was still kinda big. Yeah. Like he had like he had, had a match at Fall Brawl, which was like forty seconds or whatever. Uh and Again, he was another one. He got, you know, they made a figure out of him and all that. So, like, he was kind of considered, like, upper mid-card. And so, like, this kind of a match, you know, it was a showcase for both guys to show what they can do. Yeah. And for a match, and it's just like, oh, my God, why the fuck are these two guys on this, you know, high-level high show? They actually had, like, one of the better wrestling matches. Yeah, it was actually a fun little match. I think the right guy won. He was. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have an. Well, I don't have an issue with Kurosawa when I have an issue with Colonel Parker getting TV time. Yeah. You talk about one of the most useless fucking useless managers, like Colonel Parker, and then when he was fucking when he was Tennessee Lee and all that stupid bullshit, like, and the fact that like Colonel Parker. Like, he, he was always made to look like an idiot, but for some reason, him or his guys always had to get over. Yeah. Like, when he did this shit, like, later on in 96 with Medusa, and, like, but they always had to make sure uh, that he got over or that, like, you know, Dick Slater, you know, because he was managed by Kurosawa, too. Like, he always had to get over. It's like, you guys fucking suck. Like, you are the worst fucking wrestlers out there, and you still have to get over you. Like, you don't even really deserve to have jobs here. You don't deserve TV time, and yet you have to beat people that are over? Yeah. Like, go fuck yourself. Oh, I hated Colonel Parker. It's just in case you couldn't tell. Oh, I know. Yeah, I thought he was a, I thought he was a um, worthless manager. Myself. He was shitty. Yeah. I never really thought he was interesting anyway. Uh, after this, Oakland interviews Arn Anderson and Pillman. And Pillman gives a damn good hype uh, interview. Great this promo. Was the, this was the start of the loose cannon deal. Yeah, you can tell. And I, I thought it was one of the best parts of the night, to be honest. Yeah. And then we move on to Kevin Sullivan, and he's got the Zodiac, who who knows what that character even was. Brutus the Barber, Beefcake, and Stupid Makeup. The, the man from Yin, from Yin and Yang. Like, it wasn't even a play on the Zodiac Killer, it didn't feel like, because it was, it was just goofy. It was just another uh, it was just another beefcake for gimmick to have. It was just another gimmick for beefcake to have. Uh, oh Lord, are we almost done? Uh, yeah, we are. Sullivan beat Randy Savage uh, by DQ. Right, because he hit the referee, right? <laughs> yeah. This was a fun. Yeah. Match. Yeah. It didn't last long. No, it didn't. Well, first of all, you have an hour, you have four matches, then you fit in interviews. Yeah. It's just like everything has to go short. You're not going to have a 20-minute match. 
They're not with as much as you're trying to pack in. The stuff, <laughs> with, Luger, the title the stuff with Luger and the Giant was cool at the end, though. Oh, the Giant. like, And they were... He was kicking ass. They were making him look, like, unbeatable. Yeah, he looked like a million bucks. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and the, the thing with with giant with the giant too is, you know, because he was supposed to be like this unstoppable force, you really couldn't do much to him. Yeah. But like when he chokes away Luger and Sullivan was yelling at him, and Giant just looked at him like, "Dude, I take poops bigger than you. Shut up." <laughs> Because you have the giant who's about seven foot, or they build him as seven foot four, and you have Kevin Sullivan who's four foot nine. I mean, he's like five foot, but he's still he's still a wee little fella, a wee little guy. Yeah, Luger got a lot of play on this. He was kind of the Shawn Michaels of this episode, <laughs> but he didn't feel forced. It wasn't forced because he was involved in the storyline. Like him and Savage were legit. In a, they were in a storyline, and it was the story that was being told. Yeah. Shawn Michaels just kept showing up and shaking his ass. Yeah. And other parts of his body, uh, that he would also show Sonny backstage, but uh, his feet, <laughs> not just those. Uh, but like at least like Lex Luger was just out there for story purposes. Sean just went out there yeah. just because he knew there was a camera out there and he wanted to shake his groove thing. Mm-hmm. Sean always needed to be in the spotlight back then. That's back then. Yeah. He was annoyed. And now let's go back over to Raw for him, for the main event, and for Sean to steal the spotlight once again. Because uh, we have Jim Cornette with the British Bulldog oh. <laughs> versus Paul Bear with The Undertaker. You actually, did you guys actually catch the part where Paul Bear actually ran around the ring to try to catch Cornette? Yeah, that was funny. Like, I've never seen Paul Bear run. It was like me chasing you. <laughs> it's just like, one of the things I was actually waiting for was then to start to play the old music from the Benny Hill show. Yeah. That, or however the, whatever it was, I probably just fucked it up. But like when there's like that, that opening segment from the show where you see Benny just running like across like a field or some shit like that. And there's always like 20 guys chasing him. Yeah. That's what this kind of felt like. I was waiting for that music to play. as Paul Bear was, was chasing Cornette. That's funny. Uh, this match was actually pretty good. Yeah. It was a pretty decent main event. Yeah. It was hard for me deciding which main event I like better, to be honest. Because well, this was good. And Davey, here's the thing. Like, they were grooming Davey for the main event heel spot. Yeah. Which made sense. Yeah. He was a good heel. Yeah, and he was getting ready like he was going to challenge Diesel for the title at the next pay-per-view. Yeah. So it it made sense. And plus, you know, if you have a choice of either Diesel or not Diesel, of either Davey Boy or Mabel, 
you're going to pick the guy that doesn't injure every fucking opponent he gets in the ring with. Yeah. Mabel should have. Exactly. Yeah, he was there. Well, yeah, he was there. He, you know, because he was going to start to wrestle the He was supposed to wrestle the Undertaker at that October in your house. But Undertaker's face ended up being crushed. Yeah. And, like... Bad career move. Yeah. You don't hurt that guy. Not at all. Uh, but, and th- that's, that's the thing, is that, like, you know, the only difference between Nia Jax and Mabel is Mabel wasn't, a, wasn't related to The Rock, so he couldn't keep his job or get his job back. Yep. At least Nia has The Rock to fucking, because, you know, Rock goes out and ruins everything. Yeah. Fucking moron. Yeah. This, this was kind of a clusterfuck at the end, but it was a fun match before that. Yeah. And then, of course... And what the hell was Waylon Mercy doing out in the crowd? I don't know. He was fun, though. He could have been a great character. Yeah, he was that Bray Wyatt character before Bray Wyatt was a thing. Yeah. Except he couldn't wrestle that good at the Spidey's best years were behind him. Yeah, no, well, great, great wrestler. Yeah, great wrestler. The the Waylon Mercy vignettes were really cool, but like you said, like his best days were behind him because he was having a lot of neck and back problems. Yeah, like that's why the character only lasted like three months. Yeah, Danny Spidey was great. That's why I don't want to say like then the bell rang because Spidey was awesome back in the day. Yeah, but. Once he finally got the ball in this manner, he just couldn't couldn't carry it. Yeah, that's why. Like when he when he had the he left the company, I think in like November of '95, like November December, it was pretty much like you know Jim Ross had even said on an episode of Superstars, he goes, "Yeah, Waylon Mercy retired, and it, he retired because of the neck and back injuries that he was suffering." And because of, you know, his addiction problem. Because he knew that, like, if he were to get in the ring in the shape that he was in, he was not only going to hurt himself, but he was going to hurt other people. J.R. said that on the air. Yep. He didn't say, like, that whole thing. He just said that Waylon Murphy was retiring. Yeah. I'm telling you exactly why he retired. Yeah. Because this is actually stuff that uh, Danny has himself has said. Character-wise, though, he was on the money. Yeah. That shit could have been cool, but... Oh, well. Uh, after this match, we, we, we already kind of covered the whole beatdown, and then obviously, Sean and fucking Diesel have to come out and save the day. Yeah, and then the smoking guns ran out, too. They were just coming out of the... They were just coming out of the shower. It was kind of fun to see them. Again. It, it, what was funny about that is that like, I don't think they knew they were doing the running. It was just such a weird hodgepodge of people. You had the smoking guns, Undertaker, and fucking Sean and yeah. Diesel. And they the smoking guns are covered in fucking soap. Yeah. So I don't even think they knew they were doing the running. I think they were in the shower, and somebody said, oh, yeah, we need you guys to do a running. So they hurried up. They got their jeans on. So put your blue jeans back on, the tight ones. You don't even need to put shoes on, guys. Because even Jerry, like Jerry Lawler, was trying to draw attention to the fact that they were covered in soap and barefoot. Uh. Anyway, uh. So most of my Saturday nights I'm covered in soap and barefoot. But 
Yeah, and then the show just closes out because Undertaker kind of, like, they had him, he was down for, like, five minutes and the camera was on him. And I swore to God they were going to have him sit up for the camera and make it look cool, but no. Yeah, they, they go to commercial, commercial. And then they come back and he's fucking standing up. Yeah, and it's just like, Diesel extends his hand, but Undertaker just kind of looks at him. And Paul Bear, Paul Bear, it, I don't even think Paul knew whether or not he was going to shake his hand, so Paul actually went to go do it. Yeah. And then, for a ridiculous last, this should just end the show, but no, they say, Sean Diesel, go back there for a second and then do your entrance again. Well, yeah, because Vince, because you had that thing, most episodes of Raw back in the day, they had that thing at the end where they would hype, like, the next week's show. Yeah. And they would do that at the end of every show. Yeah. Uh, and since that episode had technically already been taped, like they actually showed like parts of the match that were gonna that were gonna air. Yeah. So like it was gonna be like Razor versus the Kid, and uh, John Pierre Lafitte versus uh, Bret Hart. Yeah, they hyped it up pretty good. Yeah. But then they just have Sean and Diesel come out again, and Sean dance for five minutes. Yeah. And fucking like get on the ground and pound the ground and, and shake his ass, which was like a twerking trend nowadays. I think he started that for TikTok. Yeah. Because that was a big deal a couple of years ago. But uh, he fucking, and, and Diesel's looking at him like, should I dance? Like, it was just so ridiculous. Like, and you have Vince dancing at the table. And what was the line Jerry Lawler used? Do you want something with that shake or, or whatever? Fries with that shake? Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. And Jerry Lawler's just like, what the fuck? Uh, like it, it was just like uh, Waller's just kind of looking at him like, oh yeah, and people think I'm creepy. Yeah, and Vince is dancing like an, this is when Vince was losing grip of his company and he was trying so hard to bring excitement to it. Yeah, and he's like, like please like this bullshit. And he was trying to be hip and cool, but he wasn't, and he wasn't with the times yet. It was no. a and like, they boring. just went there. So, I I I thought it was a stupid way to end. Yeah. Now let's flip yeah. the channel yeah. over to Nitro. Nitro. <laughs> yes, sir. And we'll start with you, Clinith. What did you think of Ming and Lex Luger in the main event? I'll tell you too, I liked it better than the than the raw main event. Okay. I think in a way, Nitro, you know. It was kind. Of, it felt kind of rushed. It still got the point across, even with the matches, the promos, and everything like that. And after the, even with, even after the um, whole beat that, beat down Les Luger, and then the match, it, it was still less. It was able to still pick up. Um, was able to put on a good match after, even after the beat down the giant and Marshall Man ring series before. Right. And well, so the funny here's the thing is that like with Ming, and I always felt like that WCW really wanted to do more with him, but I, I felt like there was only so much you could do, and there was only there were only like so many guys that would actually 
that would actually be willing to put him over in like that main event like type spotlight. Yeah. But I, I I always got the feeling that like everybody had enough respect for him to where it's just like you know we could technically make him a main event player if we felt like it. Yeah, and it feels like he always was sometimes. It's like Ming's one of those guys that he might show up in the main event. He might be in the mid card. He might open the fucking card. You never know. Yeah. But uh, you can always put him in there with like a Goldberg, and it's like, oh, Goldberg might lose this one. Because Ming just is such a tough fucker, and he just always had that reputation of this badass dude. I'll, I'll never forget like when he made his return in 99, or 98 after a few months off, and then like he did a thing. like He actually had like a couple months babyface run. And then, or a few weeks, babyface run, and then like he just started beating the shit out of everybody. Yeah. And then like he attacked everybody in like the first segment of the show, and he was getting the world title shot that night. And then like they would actually cut to the back, and you see security guards flying across the the back room. And then Ming would come in the camera, and that's the reason why they were flying. Yeah. And then they're just like, oh, my God, the monster's loose. And then, like, the next week, he comes out. He interrupts a, a high-profile tag team match between Disco and Alex and High Voltage. Uh, you know, big implications in that one. And he just comes out and beats the shit out of everybody. He puts the referee in the tongue and death grip. And the one security guard uh, sprays him with mace. And he just looks at that security guard and Larry Zabisco goes, I'm pretty sure Ming just thinks that that's allergy, allergy relief. And then that security guard goes down, and it was fucking hilarious. That is fun. Like, Ming, and by the way, like, a lot of the stuff that you saw Ming do on TV, like, he was doing to people in bars in real life. Like, there's actually a story of and a few people have told this story about how a guy tried messing with Ming in a bar. Yeah. And Ming put his hand on the guy's face and somehow ripped his nose off. And then and then chewed on it. And spit it out and said don't fuck with me. Now, again, like, I don't know how possible it actually is for somebody to rip your fucking nose off. Or, or no, he didn't rip it off. He bit it off. Easy. Bit it off? Yeah, he bit it off. That I can see happening. Yeah. Like, he bit the fucker's nose off. That's how he, it ended up in his mouth. <laughs> That's gross. Yeah. Oh, tell that to Ming. Oh, well, don't tell that to Ming with him and I in the room because they'll come after us. What was his WWE name again? Haku. Haku, yeah. I liked him and Rikishi together when he came back. That, that was... That... I wish they would have did more with that. Just seeing those two against the Brothers of Destruction was like, oh my God, all four of these people could kill anybody. Yeah. <laughs> when he showed up at that Rumble, which, by the way, nobody saw coming, and he showed up and... Like, already after they had been surprised by the honky-tonk man showing up, and Jerry Lawler's just like, what the hell? You get the big-ass afro. Yeah. And then, like, Jerry Lawler's just like, what, what the hell? And 
Jim Ross is like, he's one of the baddest animals ever. And then, like, Haku was in that final seven. Yeah. Like, you had Rock and Austin, Undertaker, Kane, Rikishi, and Billy Gunn and Haku. <laughs> and fucking, I know Misty. And then, like, they're saying, oh, it could be any of these guys. Like, who could it be that wins this thing? And then Haku gets all there and goes, what? And King goes, well, it ain't going to be Haku. <laughs> I love that fucking rumble. Oh, my God. I can't talk about it enough. (laughs) Have we done an episode on that yet? Yes. We had to, because we've discussed it so many times. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure we've ended up talking about that in, like, 20 episodes. I remember saying that Billy Gunn should have won that Final Four, and clearly thinking I was nuts. Yeah, I'm pretty, yeah. I remember that, too. That I don't blame him. Billy Gunn shouldn't have won that. <laughs> hey, I said it 20 years ago. He should have won that. He should have won that run. I mean, I don't believe that now, but. Now, after this match, because it was a good match. It was a stiff match. Uh, Luger lost again. So he kind of starts his Nitro career not doing too well. Right. But, uh, and, and they talk about how Hogan's going to be there on the next episode. Let's compare the two episodes now. Are you ready? Yeah. Final thoughts, and let's yep. say which one's better. Eric, I'm going to start with you. All which right. which episode did, of wrestling did you enjoy more, and why? I thought you were close what to are even. Um, huh? I slightly lean towards Nitro. I thought they they were fairly even. Fairly even. I give Nitro probably a Six and a half, and and uh, raw uh, six. That's how close I think two shows were. I enjoyed a maximum each show, and it went fairly fast because it was not only an hour. So I did enjoy both shows. <sighs> not enough to give it a seven, but they they were just above average. Clement. All right, I will say Nitro. I figured it was a better show of Raw. I figured, even though the matches got less show time, they got more out of it. And more it was more storytelling in Nitro than it was in Raw. I mean, a tag team yeah. title match, yeah, but having the reverse decision kind of like blew it off. Like blew it over for me. So I'll give Night Show the better show. If I would rate them, I'll give Raw like a six and Night Show a, a seven. Okay. Duck? Okay. Uh, so for me, like even though, like Clint said, Raw's matches I think got more time. Uh, and I, I do think the tag title match was like the best match out of everything. What what kind of dragged it down for me was the overexposure of Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty looking like uh, Brent Michaels from Poison after about three nights full of drugs. Uh, and like just with with Nitro, 
Nitro just kind of just flew by. Like, I remember when we were watching it and, uh, like, we were just surprised that it was over with. Because, like, you know, there were both episodes, like, they flew by so fast that you could not go upstairs and poop for an hour. If you were going to do that, you had to put them on pause. Uh, as far as who had the better show, I would give it to Nitro. Yeah. Even though I think the tag title match on Raw was the best match of everything. Yeah. But I do think overall you told more of a story on Nitro. You did. Uh so I would give I would give Nitro a seven and a half and I would give Raw a six and a half. See, and I'm gonna be the outlier this time. Because I do think that Nitro told a better story and Shawn Michaels having to be an attention whore does drive me nuts. But I think the wrestling was just by far superior on Raw. Okay. The tag match was good. I I like the opener of Janetti uh, and Skip. I do think that Inferno and Wright was a better opener, but I think the main event of Bulldog and Undertaker was better than Luger and Ming. Right. Uh and just every, I thought the story being told with Cornette and, and Clarence Mason wasn't bad either. And, and I, I just, I thought Raw was, had some really good wrestling. So to me, it's really, like, I'm talking like a 7.1 to a 7. Like, I just give Raw a little bit of the edge. But I do think that the wrestling was by far better on Raw. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's fair. You want to know what we're doing next week? Yeah, I had to close too. So. Yeah. Uh, what do you got? What do you got in mind? We're gonna do another TNA pay per view. We haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah, it's been several months. Which one are we doing? We're gonna do Hardcore Justice 2011. Oh, yeah. It's on the tube. Is that on YouTube? Uh, yeah, I looked it up to make sure. Wait, the thing in oh, Kurt Angle, and isn't that like they do a couple of matches for that Bound for Glory series a year, right? I believe they do. Let me find the card. Isn't one of them Crimson? Uh, when they were pushing that Crimson guy? I liked Crimson too. Yeah. Like, uh, rated champion at time? No, uh, Kurt Angle, or no, Sting was. Sting was doing the Joker thing. Okay. You remember that, Eric? This is when Sting was trying to be like the Joker. Uh, okay. You also have uh, Mexican America, Arniqua and Hernandez versus Beer Money. You got Bully Ray versus Mr. Anderson. Uh, and Arkea, my bad. Arkea, my bad. You have Fortune versus Immortal. That was a big one for the time. AJ Styles yeah. versus Abyss, Gunner, and Scott Steiner. Uh, yeah, you got some good shit. I don't even remember that. Winter and Mickey James. Oh, for the oh. for the knockouts title. And the glory matches are Crimson and RVD and D'Angelo, De Niro and Devon. So we got some good shit on. Oh that. yeah, that's right. Because that was around the time where the Pope was actually trying to steal Devon's kids from him. Yeah. And then oh wow. Yeah, and you tell how fucked up that was. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. But that's what we're going to do next. This sounds really intriguing. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, 
That's that's gonna be fun. And uh, again, this isn't you know TNA Don West or Don West Mike today. You know, calling it's gonna be Taz and today. Yes. But like, I mean, I do, I did like Taz and Mike today to, uh, together. They were very good. Yeah. Uh, but like, I, uh, I I look forward to like hearing Mike today because I always did like Mike today's call of yeah. uh, pay per views and. I mean, I do think he was better with Don West because I felt like they had a shit ton of chemistry. And by the way, when they get inducted... Do you think he was better with Don West or um, yeah, ever with Tony? I mean, when they were in WCW, when uh, him and Tony called stuff together with Bobby Heenan. Okay. Do you uh, think he was better with them or with uh, Don West? Don West. Yeah, Don. Uh, yeah. And like uh, it has been announced that when they when they get inducted into the TNA Hall or into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame on October 21st of Bound for Glory, uh, Scott Demore is actually going to be the one inducting them. Oh yeah. Ooh. So and of course, obviously, Michael B. We had him on the show, right? Huh? Did we have Scott Demore on the show before? No, we haven't. Okay. I'm thinking of somebody else. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, that's it. that should be that should be a fun episode. So that's Hardcore Justice 2011. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It'll be fun to see Hogan Oh my God. And Joker Sting and all that fun stuff. I'm excited. Uh, we will see everybody next week. Yeah. Next week. There, guys. Later. 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 Let me see your faces. Let me see.